Hey, veterans. Welcome to the VA Claims Insider Podcast. We are veterans helping veterans get the VA disability rating and compensation you deserve. I'm your host, Air Force Service Disabled Veteran Brian Reese, and each week we share VA disability claim tips, tricks, strategies, and lessons learned to help you win, service connect, and get rated at the appropriate level, even if you've already filed or been denied. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode. <laughs> What's going on, insiders? Ryan Reed here, coming at you live from Austin, Texas. I've got my man, my brother from another mother, veteran coach Aaron Darty, on with me today as well. Welcome, brother. Welcome, thank you, Brian. I appreciate it. Good to be here. You're welcome, man. Good to have you. So, um, fellow vets, again, uh, this is a really, really important topic today. Uh, hey, Aaron, would you mind moving your mic a little bit away from your mouth and nose? Just it's it's picking up a lot of feedback. There you go. Appreciate it. Um, a, a topic that is extremely near and dear to our hearts um, because it's happened to me numerous times. OK, when your claim gets denied or underrated, man, it can just it feels like such a gut punch. It, it feels like a sucker punch. And I think part of the reason, Aaron, that it hurts so much, at least at least this is what it's felt like for me, um, is you kind of feel like you're being called a liar. You, you've essentially told the Department of Veterans Affairs as a disabled veteran, hey, I, I got some stuff going on from my time in service. And I believe that it's due to service or due to another service kind of disability I got all these symptoms and it's affecting my life in negative ways. And I believe by law, I'm entitled to these benefits. And, you know, you file your claim and you get your personal statements and you do all this stuff. And when they deny service connection or they tell you, you know, hey, the disability doesn't exist or it's not due to your service, there's no evidence in your records or we don't see current symptoms that warrant a rating, whatever, you're essentially being called a liar. And, and that really sucks as a disabled veteran, as somebody who, who wore the uniform, okay, who, who served with honor and integrity, uh, it, it really hurts, okay? And that's that I think is is first and foremost that I wanted to get out there is that you're not alone in this, vets. Okay, we've been denied too. Aaron's been denied. I've been denied. Lots of vets in our community have been denied. And I mean, I can go into my e-benefits account right now and click the disabilities tab, and there's a whole bunch of things in there that say not service connected, which is bullshit. Okay. But it is what it is. And I, look, I want to give you some hope today to tell you this. Regardless of previous denials, regardless of how many times you've been denied, OK, 
okay? This process is never over unless you quit, okay? It does not end. There is always another option for you, always. And so what, what I just want to say today and encourage y'all to do before, you know, we welcome y'all again and, and give you some shout outs on the screen and then I want to introduce Aaron is stay in the fight. Okay. Stay in the fight. And I understand that it's unbelievably frustrating. And there's going to be days when you want to quit. There's going to be days when you just, you've had enough. You're tired of being tired and you want to give up. Okay. We ain't going to let you do that. As fellow vets, veteran to veteran, we are here for you no matter what. And you know what else we know? You're here for us when we have bad days because we do have bad days. And some of us are still going through our own claims that get denied. Okay. You can do everything right and still get denied. You got a crap CNP examiner, okay, who conducted an illegal, immoral, or unethical exam, which I'm going to get to, okay? Talk about a topic that makes my blood boil. That's one, okay? Um, you maybe had all proper medical evidence and documentation. You've got diagnosis of a condition. It's clearly related to your service. You had an IMO or a nexus letter. You've got clear documentation of symptoms. You wrote a personal statement. You might've even had a buddy letter to support it. And it still gets denied. And you're like, ah, the VA just hates me. They don't, okay? They don't hate you. Maybe they made a mistake. That's happened. I've actually had a vet tell me, Brian, I just got denied and my rating decision letter is for a different veteran. <laughs> like, like I've seen that. So like Aaron Doherty gets his claim denied and he looks at his rating decision letter and it's written for another veteran. I've seen that happen. So look, the bottom line is this, the VA doesn't hate you. I believe that they're actually trying to help you. And there's some things you can do to make it easy for them to help them approve your claim faster or help them reverse a previous denial decision, which we're gonna talk about today, okay? But before I get there, before we talk about this anymore, I wanna recognize you, okay? Right here, right now, we've got a fellow disabled vet, Eric the Bearded Vet, helping us sit behind the scenes. It's time to introduce yourself, okay? Give us a shout out here on the screen. Tell us your name, tell us your branch of service, where you're dialing in from. Hey, Ben, Dallas, Texas. Holy crap, thank you for your service, sir. A lot of years, Ben, thank man. you, sir. Thank you. Hey, Manuel, hello from Ohio. U.S. Army retired, yeah. U.S. Navy in the house, there we go. Uh, got some squids all up in here. <laughs> Not alone. Hey, Basil, another, another Navy vet. <laughs> Patty, always not service connected. There's a way out. Okay, we're going to talk about this today. Hey, Sheldon. Hello from Redding County. What, what is up with all the Navy? 
Come on, where's the army? Where's the they Marine knew, Corps? They knew I was going to be here today, Brian. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Hey, Michael, U.S. Air Force retired. There we go. There's Big Blue. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Come on, where are my ground pounders? Where are my Marines? Where are my army troops? There we go. Hey, John. Hey, John. There, John. We're bringing in the real military here. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> hey, Ralph. Army, 92 to 08. There we go. Now we're bringing in the reserves. There we go. Hey, Jeffrey. Jeff. First in, last out. United States Marine Corps. Hey, Rick. United States Army. There we go. Now we got some people chiming in. Hey, Tom. Welcome home, brother. <laughs> yeah, welcome home is right. Thanks for your service. Man, Golf War, three tours. Thank you, sir. Hey, Zeb, 1991 to 94, Ohio, U.S. Army. Ron, Air Force, thank you for your service, sir. Ammo. Nice. Ray, 1969, Vietnam era vet. Thank you, sir. Hey, John, United States Marine Corps, appreciate you. Wayne, United States Army. Wow, look at that years of service. 1977 to 1999. Hey, Dwayne, US Navy, 86 to 06. Woo! Man, I, I commend all you folks who, have, who did a full career. I, I just, I wouldn't have been able to continue past uh, what I did. Hey, Mark. Hey, Alex. Whole lot of squids. A lot of squids. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we, we have a healthy banter all up in here, even just within our, our company-wide channel. So it's pretty fun. Hey, Don. Thank you for your service, sir. Hey, Denny. Coast Guard. All right. We got our first Coastie. 98 to 02. There's Army. an infantry man. There we go. Rifleman first, right? Austin, there we go. Another U.S. Navy guy there. Good stuff. 40 to 80 with elite looking to go more. Hey, Lois. United States Air Force retired. Hey, Sherry. Hey, Charlie. This is awesome. Great. Keep, keep them coming. Keep them scrolling. 82nd Airborne. <laughs> Your back issues are not. <laughs> yeah. It's not the first time I've heard that one. I've jumped out of airplanes and carried packs on my back for 20 years. Uh, I got back issues. Not service connected. Yeah, right. Hey, James. Hey, Ricky. USMC. Hey, Julian, United States Marine Corps. We got, okay, so we've actually got, Aaron, this is awesome. We've, we've actually got a really good mix of the total force. This is great. We do. Oh, yeah. So, look, keep uh, Eric the Bearded Vet. Keep, uh, keep flashing those across the screen here. Um, and so, look, here's what I want to do first, fellow vets, before we, we get into this topic of denied claims, now what do you do? Um, Aaron, thank you, man. Thank you for being here. And I want to give you the floor for a minute. And I'd love for you to just introduce yourself to our community. You know, give folks an understanding of, of who you are, where you grew up, what you're all about, your journey to service and, and even, uh, you know, becoming a, a VSO and how all that worked and then coming to us. Um, can you just share some of that stuff with, with our community, man? 
Yeah, so my name's Aaron Darty. I'm a U.S. Navy veteran. I grew up in Missouri. Uh, I ended up joining the Navy in 2006. My grandfathers both served in World War II. One of them was in the Army. He served in Germany. One was in the Navy. He uh, served during World War II as well. And then I had an uncle who was a Navy veteran from Vietnam. He, uh, he really talked me into joining the Navy. Um, I ended up joining the Navy with the SEAL contract, got hurt while I was at SEAL school, and uh, redesignated, ended up being, being a religious program specialist before I got out of the service. Wow. And so uh, after I got out, I bounced around for a little while, worked at a couple of different VA medical centers, and then I became a national service officer for the Vietnam Veterans of America organization. So I did that for a little while, and then I was just doing some consulting, trying to help vets obtain the benefits that they deserved. And then I came across VA Claims Insider and found it as an opportunity to empower veterans to obtain the benefits that they deserved. And so I really enjoy being here and love the opportunity to, to assist veterans in obtaining the benefits that they deserve by law. Wow, man. Thank you for that. What a, what a, what a journey. I mean, just thank you for sharing too the the history of service in your family uh, that goes back, and so that's just incredible. And and we're blessed, fellow insiders. Look, we're we're always looking to up level our own skill sets. Okay, Brian Reese don't know everything. Okay, I know a lot because I've lived this for the last five years, um, but I don't know everything, and so we're constantly trying to learn to do more, to be more. And we're looking, we're on the hunt for fellow vets and human beings who can help us do that. And, and Aaron, you're a guy that just brings so much to the fight for us. Um, you know, having been someone who's been there, done that yourself, um, who's served inside the VA, outside the VA as a national service officer. I mean, you've You've seen a lot and you really bring a lot to, to our fellow vets and our movement. And look, man, I, I appreciate it. Okay. Thank you Thanks. very much. Thanks, yeah. Brian. Yeah. So look, I, let's jump into this. And I want to just start talking briefly about what we think you should do if you get denied. Okay. Now, you know, before I go there, I just want to make sure everybody understands we're we're not accredited, okay? We don't represent you for an appeal, okay, before the VA. What we're going to do is help educate you and equip you with what we think you should do based upon what we know, okay? Cuz we're we're pretty good at what we do. And we do this in real time. So when we serve veterans live 24-7, 365 in community, we're getting stuff in real time that we can help you implement to help you get the VA rating you deserve, okay? Now, if you are denied, you have options, okay? If you want, you can go work with an accredited attorney, okay, to represent you for the appeal. You could work with an accredited agent to represent you for the appeal. You could work with a VSO or an NSO if you want, okay? You can represent yourself 
which is what we equip and teach you to do. Okay, it's called pro se representation. That's the legal term. It's, it just means you're representing yourself. Okay. Now, just to, to be clear, if you want to continue on with your accredited representative and still use us, you can. Okay. If I log into my accounts right now, it actually shows that I'm represented by AMVETs, the American veterans. They're the first organization that helped me with my claim. I haven't changed that. Okay. Now I haven't used them, but they're still listed as my accredited representatives. Okay. And there's, there's advantages to using accredited representation. Okay. So I just want to make sure you know that uh, prior to us talking, but let me, I want to start this Aaron with discussing what happened back in 2017 and then into 2019 and where we are today. Okay. So fellow vets, now might be a good time to take out your pen and your pen and paper and start thinking a little bit about how does this apply to me? Okay. And this applies to you if you have anything in your e-benefits account when you log in and you look on the left-hand side of your screen and you click that tab that says disabilities and it's going to show you your overall little circle of your combined rating and it's going to list your disability conditions and whether they're service connected or not or what the rating is and what the effective date is. If you see anything in there that says not service connected, okay, or you're underrated, today's topic applies to you, okay? And that probably means it applies to everybody listening, whether you're watching live on Facebook or you're watching the recording on YouTube. I ain't never seen a perfect claim, and I've never seen a veteran that got all their condition service connected. It just hasn't happened. I've never seen a single case. Okay, Aaron, have you seen one? No, never. <laughs> okay, so look, it's going to happen. You're going to get denied, right? Now, the goal is, again, stay in the fight. Keep punching back. You're going to get a little, little blood, sweat, and tears on you, okay? You're going to get... You're going to get your nose punched in and you're going to want to quit. It's part of why we do this with you live and in community. Because when you get sucker punched and you're laying down on the mat, right? And the, the ref is counting clock here. You don't want to be knocked out. You want to get up. And that's part of what we help you do here. Okay. Which is why we do this with you together live. Um, so here's the deal, Vets. Prior to 2017, the process of fighting a denied claim was a disaster, okay? Because it happened under what we now call legacy appeals. And legacy appeals, you had one option, and that was to appeal to the board. And what we saw happen is so many veterans got their claims denied that these appeals to the Board of Veterans Appeals were taking years. And when I say years, I'm talking five, seven, 10 plus years, okay? Well, look, I don't know about you, but no vet should have to wait that long, period. And, and part of the reason, Aaron, if you, know, if you, you look at this, 
you had hundreds of thousands, if not millions of vets who've had claims denied over the years who appealed. And there's what, about a hundred judges at the BVA? I mean, just so, so you, <laughs> I ain't the brightest bulb on the tree. Okay. I ain't the sharpest crayon in the box, but, but let's, but let's think about this. If you've got a million veterans trying to appeal a denied claim and you've got a hundred people who can hear that case or adjudicate it, uh, if I do the math, that doesn't seem very good. Okay. And so what happened is these, these appeals were taking years and years and years. Some of you are still waiting. Okay. So finally, the VA and the BVA and the folks who work on the House and, and Senate VA committee staffs got together and said, look, this is, this is bad. We, we got to do something about this to help vets. And they did. They did. And what they did is they put together uh, an Appeals Modernization Act for signature by the president. Okay, it's the, it's the VA Appeals Modernization Act of 2017. And it was implemented by the VA on February 19th, 2019. And what a game changer. What a game changer. I mean, a freaking game changer for you vets because you now have three options if you disagree with some or all of the VA's rating decision. Option number one, you can do something called a higher level review, okay? Which is you're challenging the VA rater's decision because of an error or a mistake or some piece of evidence maybe that they didn't review or list as a source that you had submitted. Okay, so that's option one. You can submit something called a higher level review. It's goodness, we recommend it. We're seeing incredible results with it, which we'll get into a little bit more when I start pulling Aaron into this. And then you've got option number two which is called the supplemental claim. Now with a supplemental claim, you can submit what's called new and relevant evidence not previously considered, okay? New meaning the VA has never had it before or they've never seen it before and relevant meaning it proves or disproves a matter at issue, okay? So it adds value to your assertion that you've got a disability or that it should be service connected or that your symptoms meet certain criteria. Okay, that's the primary difference between the higher level review and the supplemental claim. The higher level review, you cannot submit new and relevant evidence. With the supplemental claim, you can submit new and relevant evidence. Okay, and then the third option is you can appeal to the board the Board of Veterans Appeals just like before, but you have three options under option three. Now, the one we recommend is you do a records only appeal to a BVA judge. Why? Because if you're waiting around 
for a teleconference with a judge, a video teleconference. If you're waiting around for freaking oral arguments for an in-person appeal, you're going to wait years. Okay. So if you choose option three to appeal to the board, we recommend doing a records only review. Okay. And that can happen anywhere from, you know, 90 to 120 days to a year is, is what we're seeing. All right. I want to turn it over to Aaron though, because he's a dude who actually serves vets every single day. He's on the phone with y'all every day, all day. And I want to lean on him for some advice and some tips of what he's seeing in the trenches. Okay. Cause he's in there with you taking grenades, <laughs> right? Aaron, man, you've been, dude, you've been speared a couple times. I know right on, on the battle lines. So what are you seeing, man? What are you seeing from your perspective? So from my perspective, I have seen a lot of these uh, claims get denied just because they're missing nexus letters. So that statement, you know, saying that it's at least as likely as not related to a condition that's already service connected or an in-service event or aggravation um, with the medical rationale to support that. And so we're, there's, you know, sometimes you're missing a current diagnosis. That's a big thing. You know, vets have been diagnosed while they're on active duty, but then they don't seek treatment after service. Um, or they seek treatment, but they don't get that current diagnosis. And so without that current diagnosis, the VA then has the ability to deny that claim. And so, you know, it, it's it's little things that are missing that can easily be supported with, like you said, those supplemental claims. Um, sometimes that information's there. And you when you read the decision letter, you can see in the evidence that they may not list in the evidence that the information that you submitted to support the claim was actually reviewed. And so, like you said, it's, it's just submitting that higher level review. Um, you know, I, I've also been part of the legacy appeal. So <laughs> I, had, <laughs> I, I had an appeal that was uh, submitted in uh, 2015 that finally got adjudicated at the beginning of this year. So I've been part of that five-year five year appeal process. Um, and, and, and it's a horrible wait time. Um, and, and of course, my appeal, by the time I got sent back to CNP examiner, you know, the nurse and the doctor both, as soon as I got back there, were like, the VA is going to lose this one. This has been in your record since day one. And I got denied on that claim three times. So my thing that I would say to everybody is just like Brian said, you're never out of this fight, you know, unless you give up you know, this is something that you can continue to argue with the VA. So never give up. Um, always continue to fight. You know, it, these are your benefits. You deserve them. Continue to go after them. Pursue them. It's awesome advice, man. Thank you for that. I uh, hope you're taking notes, fellow vets, because this is a good one. <laughs> okay, <laughs> a good one. And these are things you need to know. And so we started talking about, okay, you know, what are these little things that you need to be sure of? Because here's something I've learned, folks. And this, this goes with life, too. The little things become the big things. Okay? Little things matter. Little things matter. And let's talk about what that means, okay? You, you really have to have three things. Now, the reason why I describe it in the way we do here at VA Claims Insider is because the way it's listed in the law is kind of confusing. Okay. And I don't like confusing. I want to, I want to demystify this and make it easy. Okay. 
So you have to have three things in all VA disability claims, whether you're hearing me right now and you're thinking about filing, you've never filed before, you've filed before and got denied or underrated, or maybe the whole thing got denied and now you're like, I'm done, I, I quit, okay? These three things are critical. Number one, medical diagnosis. And to Aaron's point, current medical diagnosis is better, okay? Now, what that means is you need to have a medical diagnosed condition in a medical record, okay? In a service treatment record, in a VA medical record, in a private record, but it's gotta be somewhere, okay? Because if you don't have the diagnosis, and you're waiting around hoping and praying that the CNP examiner is going to diagnose you for the first time. That's a recipe for disaster. It ain't going to happen. Okay. So get your butt to the doctor if you believe you have these conditions, but they're not in a medical record diagnosed. Okay. Got to have that. That's the first part of the three part test. The second part. That disability, the diagnosed condition from number one, was caused or made worse by your active duty military service or by another service-connected disability, or maybe it's presumptive to your Gulf War service, okay, or to your Vietnam service for Agent Orange exposure. But the point is you have to meet something called the nexus. And I heard Aaron describe it at least as likely as not. Okay, I'll say that again. At least as likely as not. Now, the best way to think about it, again, because I ain't, like I said, I ain't the brightest bulb on the tree, played a lot of hockey, been kicked in the head a few too many times. I got my own freaking issues, okay, of, of, I'm on all kinds of medications, just like every vet around here. I should have that shirt, Aaron, that says, Veteran, freaking medicated for your protection, right? I need that shirt. I need that shirt. We got a Christmas present idea. Yeah, there we go, insiders. Y'all want to give me a Christmas present? Send me the shirt. Medicated for your protection. Okay. So you have to show, though, that your disability condition is the result of your service or another disability. And, and what we've learned through a lot of freaking pain and trials and tribulations that we don't want to have to have you go through is most veterans just don't have this stuff documented in their service treatment records. Well, and, and you know, Aaron, I see these denials, man. And it's, it's, this is the canned statement that they copy and paste, right? You know, something to the effect of there's no evidence of an in-service disease, injury condition of any sleep apnea issues or PTSD or radiculopathy or whatever, right? Headaches. And I look at these denials and I go, well, I obviously there wasn't, right? Because, because the vet maybe didn't even know they had the condition while they are in active duty. And if they didn't know they had the condition, they certainly didn't go to the doctor for it while they wore the uniform. So it's not gonna be in the record. And so, you know, look, we're, we're trying to make this easy for you. 
The number one way, write this down. Okay, this is one you want to keep with you. The number one way to try to get your disability condition service connected, period, bar none, full stop, is to get what's called an independent medical opinion known as a medical nexus letter written by a private healthcare provider, okay? Now, why is that? Because it's an evidence-based document based upon medical ideology and BVA case law precedent written by a certified, trained, educated, competent, and credible medical professional who can discuss whether or not there's a link or a connection. That's what nexus means, by the way. Nexus means link or connection. And they can help make that connection for you. VA disability compensation claims are won and lost based on one thing and one thing only, medical evidence. And this is the shit they don't tell us. They don't tell us this stuff, do they, Aaron? Not at all. And man, like, I don't know about you, and I want you to just describe this about your service. I left the Air Force in 2012, okay? October 26, 2012 was the last day I wore the uniform. And it wasn't until the week before I was out that I attended the mandatory TAPS program class, the transition assistance program class. Okay, anybody hear that? Yeah, yeah, we have a few folks. Okay, it's mandatory. It's DOD mandate that you attend what's called a transition assistance program class, okay? <laughs> so here I am a week before taking off the uniform, Aaron and fellow vets. At this point in my young life and career, I swear to God, I, I swear on the Bible, I had never even heard of the Department of Veterans Affairs. I didn't even know what it was. I didn't know it existed. And I'm a week before taking off the uniform. And this gal from the VA, she was super sweet. Okay, this was in Boston. I was, I was uh, stationed at Hanscom Air Force Base in Boston, Massachusetts at the time. This gal was super sweet. She was great. She was knowledgeable. She worked for the VA in Boston and she, she showed up to our transition assistance program class. Over 200 slides. She had a 60 minute slot. And I just remember like, I mean, she was like speaker number 19 of 78, right? And you're just like, it's information overload. I remember thinking like, I have no idea what I'm gonna do. I don't even know what I'm good at. I don't know what I'm, where I'm gonna live. Uh, freaking like, I don't know what I'm doing with my life. <laughs> Sound familiar? This is a week before taking off the uniform, folks. So she gets up there, man, and she's, you know, next slide, next, next, next. I mean, this the, the information was just, it was gone, like flushed down the toilet. But I remember taking one thing from it. And that one thing was, I wrote it down in, in my little book. 
The Department of Veterans Affairs exists for veterans and you might be eligible for benefits. I remember writing something to the effect of that down. And luckily, I actually took some action myself and did some research. I started using the Google machine on the VA. What is the VA? You know, what are benefits? What am I eligible for? And I got connected with a VSO from AMVETS in Boston. And again, I still knew very little about the VA disability process at this point. This was back in 2012. Okay. Thank God this dude knew a lot. And he really helped me with the research and what I'm eligible for and what are my, what conditions do I have? And he sort of gave me the crash course. And guess what? That's where a lot of this movement sprung from. The things that I was able to learn, okay, his name was Eric. I won't share his last name, but he'd been a VSO for over 20 years, okay? And he shared a lot of stuff with me. And man, that stuff became foundational to what we do here today at VA Claims Insider. Okay. Aaron, I want to hear about your transition. <laughs> so I got med boarded and the TAPS class that they offered um, that was <laughs> scheduled two weeks prior to my discharge date was full. And so I was not eligible to go to my TAPS class. So you got more information than I did. Uh, so you didn't go to TAPS? I, I was not even allowed to go to the TAPS class. Oh. Uh, the, the lady that was in charge of scheduling told me that, unfortunately, our TAPS class was full, that I would not be eligible to attend that class, that as soon as I got out, that I could go to the VA and obtain my benefits through the VA and get my information there. Oh, so. Fortunately for, for myself, I was kind of like in the same situation as you. Um, I, I was discharged from Pensacola, Florida. I relocated to California within a couple of weeks, and I was lucky enough to get in with an AMVETS rep who had been doing it for about 20 years. And the guy sat me down and was like, give me a copy of your service treatment record. And he was like, and come back in about two weeks. He went through my complete record. And gave wow. me the advice of, hey, you need to go get, you know, I see you've got complaints of this in your in-service record. Go to the VA, ask for the sleep study test so that you can get diagnosed within your 12-month time frame. Yeah. He was like, let's get all this stuff, you know, documented so that we can file your claim. That's where I got started. You know, had it not been for him, I would have been lost. I mean, you know, I, I got medically separated with a 10% disability rating, although... <laughs> I never would have received that had I not filed the claim through the VA. So, yeah. um, you know, I, I got, you know, my TAPS class was a tap, tap, you're out and, and, and goodbye. So, you know, not, not all of us get that information. And, and so it, it's a hard transition, you know. Wow, man. Your, so your story is even worse than mine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy that you got some help. Yeah. Um, and and for for all of our other vets listening right now, right? Taps is still fairly new. So you know, if you left the service prior to probably about 2010, you got nothing, man. It's like thanks for your service, you're done. They kick your ass out the door, and it's like, uh, now what do I do? Right? It's it's hard. It's freaking hard, and there's just not a lot of people out there helping us which is why we do this. 
That's why we do these Facebook Lives. That's why we send email newsletters. That's why we go live on Facebook and YouTube and we put out this content and we have membership programs and we have this community and we have military disability made easy and we write blog posts, right? We do this to serve you and to try to take this confusing, bureaucratic, broken VA disability process and we boil it down into its most essential elements and we make it easy, okay? I love talking about this, right? One of our flagship sites is Military Disability Made Easy. Okay, it's not, it's not military disability made hard or difficult. It's military disability made easy, okay? We want to make it easy for you. And it's not an oxymoron, okay? If a dumb hockey player from northern Minnesota can figure out how to do this, you can figure out how to do this. And we'll show you how, okay? Gentlemen like Aaron, we've got some incredible men and women on, this, on our team. Oh, my goodness. They will lead you. They will guide you to VA claim victory. Okay. And even if you fail in round one or round five or round 25, they're going to be there to pull you up off the ground and say, come on, come here. Let me give you a hug. Let me give you a kiss. Let me tell you everything's going to be okay. Sometimes they might kick you in the ass and say, you got to move. Okay. Where you been, bro? Let's go. We got to get going here. It's accountability, folks. It works. Accountability works. That's part of what we're able to do, veteran helping veteran. Okay? It's huge. Um, all right. I want to go back to those three things, though. So we talked about number one, medical diagnosis. You got to have it. If you don't have a medical diagnosis, you got to go get one. And one of the ways you can do it is to pick up the phone and call your VA primary care doctor or your private primary care doctor and get an appointment. Whether you go in person or you do a video conference or you do a phone call, I've done all three in the middle of the pandemic. I go in to do labs. I go into, uh, I had to get fitted for um, heel inserts, custom orthotics, okay? But most of the stuff you can handle over a, a video teleconference. I just met with a rheumatologist. I got a, a new CPAP issued. Okay. Um, a lot of that you can just do over video teleconference. Some of it with a phone call. Right. I'm in weekly therapy at the VA. Mental health therapy. I go to anger management. Okay. A lot of that happens over either video teleconference or just telephone. You could talk to your psychologist or your psychiatrist on the phone. Hey, this medication's not working. Hey, this medication has really bad side effects. Speaking of, I need to contact, I need to contact him today about that. Okay. You can also communicate, write this down. Secret sauce tip. Hardly anybody knows. You ready? You're going to have your brains blown. Okay. You can log in 
to my health event. Okay, you can actually log in through va.gov. There's now a direct connection to my healthy vet. But if you've never used my healthy vet before, sign up for a free my healthy vet account and make sure it's a premium account. Because guess what? You can secure message your entire VA healthcare provider team, your mental health team, your primary care team, and anybody else you can think of to include specialties. And guess what? Every time you communicate that information, those conversations are automatically added to your VA medical records. Critical. Okay. Critical. Huge tip. Okay. So number one, you got to have a medical diagnosis. Pick up the phone. Call your VA primary care provider and or a private provider. If you if you prefer to do private stuff, you got private health care insurance. You got to get your butt to the doctor because okay? if you don't have a diagnosis, you're going to get denied full stop. So that's number one. Number two, you have to show that that condition is caused or made worse by your active service or to another service connected disability if you're going for secondary service connection. Okay. If you've been out of the service, and Aaron, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull on this thread because it's huge what you just said. If you've been out of the military for more than a year, you've been out of the service for more than 12 months, okay. Your period of easy, <laughs> I say easy because it still may not be easy, but your period of easy service connection is over, okay? So if you've been out of the service for two years, five years, 15 years, 30 years, 50 years, it gets infinitely harder to show that your disability is due to your service. That is probably why when you log into your eBenefits account and click the disabilities tab and you see things that say, not service connected, like our 82nd Airborne Troop, Aaron, who said back condition, not service 82nd Airborne. Get out the way. <laughs> okay, so how do you overcome that? Even if you've been denied before, you get an independent medical opinion. It's also known as a medical nexus letter written by a private healthcare provider. And no... Chances are slim to none that a VA doctor is going to help. Okay. I'm not saying none of them do because some, some might. By regulation. Okay. And sometimes they'll tell you that, well, you know, well, I can't do that because it's a conflict of interest. Okay. It's, it's not a conflict of interest, but what it's defined as in regulation is that because VA doctors and private CNP examiners, LHI, QTC, VES, and any private provider who works for them. The reason they likely won't help you is because by regulation, they're defined as hired in the service of VA, and thus they're not appropriate 
examiners to provide independent medical opinions. Okay, now I'm gonna explain a tiny bit more about this. There's a difference between a medical opinion and an independent medical opinion. A medical opinion is what the CNP examiner does at your CNP exam. An independent medical opinion is when an independent private healthcare provider who's not hired in the service of VA writes a letter on your behalf. There's a big difference, folks. Okay, one is independent and one is not. That's huge for number two. To get those disabilities that say not service-connected, service-connected, or to overcome previous denials. That's the second thing. The third thing, and this is what a lot of vets miss, Aaron. They miss, they go, I have a diagnosis. It is service-connected, but dang it, my PTSD came back at 10%. Here's why. Severity of symptoms. Severity of symptoms. Write this down. CFR, Title 38, Part 4, the schedule for rating disabilities. Make that your friend. It's really long. You can keyword, okay? You can hit, once you pull up CFR, Title 38, Part 4, the schedule for rating disabilities, you can Google it. Once you pull it up on your screen, you're going to see it's it's long, okay? And there's a lot of legalese. There's a lot of medical jargon that you don't need to worry about. Search that sucker by keyword. You can hit control F and type the keyword. Type mental. Type back. Type tinnitus. Type sleep apnea. And it'll move you right to that part and you can actually see the governing law and the symptoms tied to the various rating criteria. Now I want to myth bust for a second. This is not teaching you to cheat the system. Okay. That's against the law. What we're doing is we're arming yourself. We're helping arm you with information and education so you know approximately where you should fall based upon your symptoms. If you've got PTSD diagnosed and it's due to combat in Iraq, you've got a freaking combat action badge and you've got you know all this stuff, okay, well, yeah, it's gonna be service connected. If you don't have any symptoms, you're probably gonna get zero or 10%. And that's what you should get if you don't have symptoms. But as we've seen, Aaron, a lot of vets actually have very severe mental health symptoms. But for some reason, they're way underrated. And the reason is because you probably either had a crap CNP examiner, you didn't adequately write or support or be uncomfortably vulnerable with your severity of mental health symptoms and how those things are limiting or affecting your life in a negative way.
okay, your work, your life, your social functioning. What does that mean? The reason veterans are paid disability benefits is to compensate you for loss, economic loss, functional loss or impairment. If you can't show impairment, the VA is going to underrate you or, or give you 0%. That's where your personal statements, your buddy letters, being uncomfortably vulnerable and telling your doctors the truth about what you're dealing with. Because Aaron, here's what we've seen, bro. We hide and we typically understate what we're dealing with because we're embarrassed. So we go to our annual physicals and we go, yeah, I'm all right. You know, just, yeah, I'm okay. I just, I don't even want to be here. I just want to leave. Okay. Well, guess what's going to be written in your medical records? Aaron's fine. Said he had no issues. Said he's got no pain. No issues with headaches. No problem with GERD or IBS. No issues with ED. No mental health problems. Well, maybe you actually do have real stuff going on and those things are severe and they're affecting you. But you weren't honest about it, your stuff. And so now when you file a claim for that stuff and you go, I've got severe mental health, I've got really bad GERD. Now you've put the VA Raider and the CMP examiner in a difficult spot. Because they're looking at the evidence going, golly, this, this veteran is saying as of, you know, two weeks ago that he can't work because of his PTSD. Well, it says here in his medical record from two months ago that he's fine. Okay, so now you got a conflict. And now you've left the ball in the VA's court and you don't want to do that. We teach you to maintain control, to own your claim. Because Aaron, I shouldn't care as much about Aaron's claim as Aaron does. Okay. Aaron has to care more about his disability benefits than anybody else in the world. And that's not to say we don't care about your benefits because we do, but nobody should care more than you do. They're your benefits. You've earned them. You're entitled to them by law and they affect you and your family and nobody else. Okay. All right, Aaron, let's talk about what do we do if we've been denied already or I'm underrated? Let's talk about the new appeals modernization in those three lanes. Let's talk about the higher level review. Okay, let's talk about the supplemental claim. We'll, we'll leave the appeal to the board alone for today. We'll just talk higher level review and supplemental. What, what advice would you give folks, Aaron, who were you know, denied in the past year who disagree with the VA's decision? So if you disagree with the VA's decision and you believe that you have evidence that supports the higher rating and the decision letter that you've received, that's where I would recommend going to higher level review. Requesting a senior level decision uh, rater to be able to review that um, decision that's already been rated and see if you can get a, a more favorable response from them. Um, 
you know, you can't submit additional evidence at that point, but it, you know, you can request that they contact you directly, mm-hmm. which at that point in time, you can then make your argument to the VA as to why you believe that you deserve that higher rating. Um, so I always, I always recommend going HLR at that point. Um, if you believe that you've been underrated for a condition. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And we're, we're seeing great success. Great success. So <laughs> it's true though. We're seeing veterans get their denied disability claims overturned by a more senior adjudicator with the higher level review process, sometimes in under 60 days. Okay, now I don't wanna I don't wanna marry myself to that timeline because I ain't the VA. Sometimes it's going to take longer. Sometimes it might go even faster. Here's what we recommend, okay? And we have the exact template inside of what we call the Elite Experience Portal Plus for higher level reviews and supplemental claims. You are providing a rebuttal. You're making arguments, a combination of medical and legal arguments to the more senior adjudicator to say, this denial is garbage. I clearly had the diagnosis, see page 17 of the attached VA medical record. It's clearly due to my service, see buddy letter submitted in support of claim on this date, See independent medical opinion dated this date that has more probative value than your crap CNP examiner. And oh, by the way, the previous rating decision didn't even include those things as evidence of record. So I don't even know if you looked at them. That's called a mistake. Fix it. And or symptoms then. Hey, my symptoms are this. By law, the criteria is this. You told me this. Here's truth. Boom. Okay? It's not rocket science, folks. You're simply making arguments, and it's a web, it's a weave, it's a crafting, it's an art of medical and legal arguments. Okay? And you're just going to submit that document, your rebuttal, you're going to package it with your HLR and you're going to upload it. That's it. That's it. It's that simple. Now, Aaron, what about if the vet didn't have a current diagnosis at the time of denial or they didn't have an IMO, a nexus letter to help show service connection? What do you think they should do then? Oh, that's where I definitely recommend going and getting that independent medical opinion and that nexus letter and then submitting a supplemental claim to help support what they were missing. You know, um, you know, that's why reading those denial letters is very important. You know, the VA will flat out tell you if they believe that there was not a, a link between the current condition or if there was not a di- uh, there's no diagnosed condition at the time when they made the decision. And so without that diagnosis, you know, again, like you said, get your butt into the doctor, right? I mean, I've told too many clients that, you know, especially with COVID, that you can't, it's so hard for me to get in to see my own providers 
that I have resorted to sending my healthy vet messages to be able to make sure that they're documenting the severity of my symptoms. Um, because I know that those messages get put into your medical records. And so that's one way to ensure that you have things getting documented. But of course, you know, if, if you needed a diagnosis, get your butt in, get seen, you know, request the, di the, the tests that need to be done. If it's an MRI, if it's a sleep study, yeah. if, if you need a colonoscopy for certain conditions or whatever it is, request that stuff from your provider. Because if you're not asking for it, they're not going to just give it to you. I mean, that's oh, one thing that we should learn. Aaron, I got to thank you. Because I have to add a piece here, vets, that's so critical. You can't just show up to your primary care doctor and expect them to give you all these referrals to specialists. You got to ask them. Hey, hey, doc, you know, I snore loudly. I'm tired all the time. My wife says I wake up gasping for air at night and I'm, I'm now 40 pounds overweight. I'm a little concerned I might have sleep apnea that I don't know. I'd like to talk to a specialist. Can you give me a referral? Oh, well, sure. Hey, doc, I have really severe bilateral plantar fasciitis in both heels. I had an x-ray done on my left foot. I know I have a heel spur on my left foot, but now my right foot hurts. I don't know if I have a heel spur or not, you know? To probably get those x-rayed, can you send me for the x-rays? It's that simple, Vince, but you got to ask. Who's ever heard, ask and ye shall receive? I heard that somewhere. Okay. All right. We talked a lot. This was, Aaron, this was fantastic, man. I, I feel like we really hit kind of what's at issue here and we cut through the bs and said no this is what you got to do here's here's what really happened and so before we break though fellow insiders anybody still on with us live if you're on youtube by the way uh welcome you can scroll down there's there's comments down there you can drop us a line give us a shout out there's tons of resources as well if you open up the youtube description of this video there's our free blog there's free digital downloads you can join our programs and get connected with a coach, et cetera, okay? But before we go, let's take some questions, okay? So if you have a question that wasn't answered yet, let's tackle it. Go ahead, Aaron, I'll let you handle this guy. All right, so currently 60% primarily for PTSD, submitted a claim for GERD, related to Gulf War Syndrome, person hernia was denied saying these were not service connected. So, Daryl, it looks like what you're missing is the nexus between these conditions and your service. Um, this is where I would recommend getting with your veteran coach if you have one and trying to link with the med team so that you can get an independent medical opinion with that nexus statement so that you can get those conditions service connected to secondary conditions, if not direct service connected. Yeah, agree 100%, Aaron. One thing I want to point out, folks, is just because a condition is on the presumptive list, that does not mean guaranteed or automatic service connection. You still have to show medically that there's a linkage. Okay, that's where that IMO, independent medical opinion, is so crucial. Definitely. Come 
No, I don't know about you, Aaron, but one of the things I've seen here, Michael, is so the question, folks, is about reserve and active duty. And so if you remember, the nexus, the linkage has to be due to your active duty service, not inactive guard or reserve time. And so one of the things we see, Michael, is guard and reserve members get wrongful denials all the time. Okay, typically because you're missing something called an LOD, which is a line of duty determination. And, and truth is, I just don't see many vets with LODs at all. Some, some have them, but most don't. A line of duty determination meaning, hey, this person injured their back on active training or whatever. What I would recommend you do, I think, is you need to show that you were on active orders, okay? And you need to upload that in support of your claim. I would also recommend at this point that you write something called a sworn declaration, okay? And you're gonna declare under penalty of perjury. Don't do this if you're not willing to declare under penalty of perjury. Um, you're gonna document the facts and you're gonna say, here's the deal. Here's the who, what, when, where, why, how. On X date, I was activated to blah, blah. I was stationed here, blah, blah. This is what happened during the incident at this date and time. Here's what happened afterwards. I went and did this. By law, this disability that I am claiming is due to my active service and should be service connected. Signed, your name. That's it. That's it. Oh, Robert. Yeah. So the, <laughs> the the archives right now is currently closed unless it's an emergent situation. This is one of those military situations where it's hurry up and wait all over again. Um, you can continue to request those records, although um, unless you can show that there's a hardship for you requiring them sooner than later, you are just on the back burner for waiting on those right now. You are. There's. I would add one one recent add to this, and I just learned about this a couple months ago. You can try to do a PDF digital record request of your military personnel and your military medical records through something called Mill Connect. Okay. And you can do this from the VA's website. Okay. In fact, if you Google, you know, how do I get my military records? How do I get my um, military personnel records? The VA actually on their new website, there's a link that shows you, you can click it and through a direct connect with Mill Connect, you can place a digital request. And it takes sometimes about 24 hours. I did it about a month ago just to test it. And I was shocked at how much info was returned to me. I mean, I had final DD-214. It had some of my award and medal citations from my deployment. 
Um, it had copies of my service treatment records. There were uh, um, the actual order that kicked me out of the service, not, not kicked out, like, <laughs> the voluntary way, <laughs> separation from service. Um, but I, I was amazed. And obviously it kind of depends on when you served. Okay. If you served prior to about 2005, 2006, when military active duty records started to go digital, Okay, I'm not saying they're going to have anything, but it's worth a shot. Okay. Yeah, I did that too. I, I was able to find some things on, in my file, but not not everything. So it really depends on what your um, service uploaded for you as well, too. Absolutely. Randy, this is where I would recommend, you know, just like Brian said, look at the Code of Federal Regulation for what the mental health ratings are, right? Um, know your symptoms, be able to clearly articulate them to your provider. If you feel like you meet the 70% criteria and you're articulating those symptoms to your provider, then you should be able to submit for an increase. Yeah, absolutely. Let's, I want to talk about mental health symptoms briefly, okay? So many veterans get this confused. And I think the reason it's so confusing is because nobody talks about it. <laughs> no, nobody shares the information. That's what we do. We share it. We make it easy for you. Okay. There are two primary overarching factors that go into any mental health rating. Okay. The first is your level of occupational and social impairment. That means impairment of your work your life and your social functioning. That's number one. Number two are your current symptoms of your mental health condition. By law and by regulation, there is no hard and fast rule on what constitutes a certain level of occupational and social impairment. And there also is not a hard and fast on what symptoms warrant a specific rating. There's plenty of BVA case law precedent out there that the symptoms listed in CFR Title 38 Part 4, the Schedule for Rating Disabilities, are not an exhaustive list. And I'm going to share an example of that. If you look at the difference between the 50% mental health rating criteria and the 70% mental health criteria, you see a significant uptick in the severity of those symptoms, okay? At the 70% level, you see occupational and social impairment with deficiencies in most areas with symptoms such as, okay? And the, the symptoms at the 70 level are quite a bit worse than the 50 level. And so if you got rated at 50, what probably happened is the CNP examiner and the VA rater determined that your approximate level of impairment 
your occupation, social impairment, and your symptoms more closely resembled the 50% criteria. Now that doesn't mean you didn't have any symptoms at the 70 level, because you might have, but your approximate disability picture, the preponderance of your symptoms were at the lower level, okay? Maybe you had five of the general symptoms of the 50 criteria and three of the general symptoms at the 70. In that case, you're, you're going to get the lower rating, okay? So all you got to do is file for an increase. I still would recommend you have medical evidence that shows that your symptoms are worse. You got to write a personal statement talking about your personal symptoms and what they are. And you've got to give that clear picture of, of how those symptoms are limiting or affecting you. Now, let me give you an example. Okay. One of the mental health symptoms that I deal with a lot is severe dry mouth. And I get tingling sensations up and down my neck and arms and throughout my limbs. And I, and I don't have radiculopathy. Okay. It's part of the mental health stuff. And the symptoms that I deal with. Well, you're not going to see severe dry mouth as a symptom of mental health. You're not going to see tingling sensations up and down your arms and legs and hands and feet. You're not going to see those in the, in the symptomatology. But those are still pretty severe symptoms of mental health. So talk about them. Write them in your personal statement, because remember, you do not have to meet all of the symptoms at a certain level to get that rating. It's an approximate picture of the veteran's severity. But you have to tell the VA rater in plain English, here are my symptoms. I'm angry all the time. I throw shit across my house. My wife and kids are afraid of me. I check doors and windows numerous times to see if they're locked, even though I've already done it. I've, I've washed my hands all the time, which is weird, right? It's an OCD compulsive type behavior. Um, you're, maybe you've got severe depression. Maybe there's days where you just don't feel like doing anything. Maybe you've gained a bunch of weight, okay? You have to talk about these things and you've got to be uncomfortably vulnerable with them. If you've got sexual dysfunction, you got to talk about it. And you have to talk about how that's limiting you and how it's affecting your relationships. Okay. Nobody likes to talk about their sexual dysfunction. Okay. Aaron, I have yet to meet a single human being who said, well, I like to talk about my sexual dysfunction. <laughs> it just doesn't happen. Nope. It's just something we don't want to talk about, which is exactly why you have to talk about it. That's what being uncomfortably vulnerable means. Okay, let's take one more question before we break. I appreciate everybody's time. I know we've gone past our hour here. Hey, Kalik. Can mental health meds cause high blood pressure? They sure can. Yep. 100%. And folks, look, uh, 
if you're taking any type of medication period, that's a prescription for sure, to help you with current service-connected disabilities, do some Googling, okay? Do some googly-boogling and find out what the side effects of those medications are, okay? A lot of medications have pretty serious side effects. High blood pressure, nausea, vomiting, headaches, dry mouth, constipation, GERD IBS, insomnia, anger, paranoia. I could go on and on. You need to know these things, okay? But you've got to do your homework because ain't nobody going to do this for you, okay? I love, I love playing this game. Aaron, how many calls have you received from the VA since you left the Navy saying, hey, Aaron, you know, man, I was, I'm just looking out for you, bro. And uh, I noticed you've got some of this stuff going on, and I really want to make sure you get benefits for it. So, you know, I think you should file your claim, and I think here's what you should do. How many calls have you got? <laughs> that call ain't never going to come, Bets. If you're sitting around waiting for somebody to help you do this, okay, it's like sitting around watching friggin' paint dry, okay? It ain't never gonna happen. That call's not coming. You have to will your benefits into existence. And the way that you do that is by taking action, okay? Nobody's gonna do this for you, okay? Now, we could argue all day whether that's legit or not, or you know, why doesn't somebody call you, or somebody should do this for you, or these are benefits you've deserved, so why do you have to fight for them? We could talk about that for years and probably never get anywhere. I'm just sharing ground truth. Nobody should care about your disability benefits more than you do. Ain't nobody gonna do this for you. You gotta start doing some research and you gotta take action because if you don't will it into existence, it ain't gonna happen. All right, Aaron, I love you, bro. Thank you for being here. Appreciate everything you bring to our fight, brother. Proud to serve with you and, and fellow vets, thank you for spending time with us today. Um, I know you, there's lots of things you could be doing, right? but you chose to be here with us and that means a lot to us. Thank you. Okay. Thanks for having me, Brian. I appreciate you letting me be here and thank you for allowing me to share some knowledge with you, fellow insiders. Thanks for your time and your service. I hope you guys have a good rest of the day.